It had been a roller coaster for these disciples. Suppose that was true for anybody who had been connected to the ministry of Jesus for its approximately three years. There were some high times. There were times when the people crowded around Jesus to listen to every word he had to say, to celebrate the miracles he did, to be a part of the excitement. And there were low times. Times when people were offended by the things that Jesus said. When Jesus had disappointed them, and so they they turned their backs on him, and they walked away from him. But this last week had been the most extreme roller coaster of all. Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey. He had received all sorts of shouts of praise from crowds that were maybe as big as any had ever been. They waved palm branches. They laid down their coats in front of him. They offered him their praise. It's hard to believe that anyone throughout all of Jerusalem hadn't heard about what took place because those crowds were so large, so large, and so loud. And then within a week, things went for the disciples from that amazing high point when they thought that Jesus was about to reveal himself as the Messiah to everyone, to the lowest of lows. People were calling for his crucifixion, and he just stood there. He was beaten. He was bloodied. He no longer looked powerful. He no longer looked royal or regal. He barely even looked competent. And then they sentenced him to death, and then they nailed him to a cross, and then they they put him into a tomb dead. How could things have possibly gone any lower for the disciples, the followers of Jesus? Well, here's how. That morning, women had gone to the tomb, and it was empty. And they came back with a report that Jesus wasn't there, but they didn't know where he was. So for the disciples and for those women, on top of all the pain and the the sadness and the sorrow and the anguish, throw on top of all of that confusion, nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew what to say. That's the roller coaster ride, and that's the situation in which these two disciples of Jesus, Cleopas and his traveling companion, were making their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They described their mindset on the road this way, but we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. At every high point along this roller coaster ride of Jesus' ministry, and even and especially his final week, the disciples had incredible hope. 
They thought that any moment he was about to do what they were so excited for him to do, he was about to reveal himself, he was about to show his power, he was about to rescue. And then what really happened made them wonder if maybe they had put their hope in the wrong person. Maybe they didn't have any hope at all. They certainly felt hopeless. But recognizing Jesus gave them hope. You already heard how Jesus came up alongside of those travelers, how he spoke with them, how they did not recognize him at first. In fact, they didn't recognize him for the entire time that he was speaking with them. They only recognized him at the very end of their time together because as soon as they did recognize him, he disappeared from their sights. But you know they recognized him. They went back to the other disciples. They went back to Jerusalem to the eleven, and they themselves described what had happened along the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. The disciples went from hopelessness to hope when they recognized Jesus. They recognized him first in the scriptures. Jesus came up alongside of them and he said, what are you talking about? And they were shocked because they thought there was only one thing that anyone might possibly be talking about at that moment. They had to be talking about that incredible roller coaster of a week and everything connected to Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. They wondered if this man who was asking about it might have been a, a visitor that he wasn't aware of all these things. Now just to be clear, this was all taking place on Easter Sunday. We're discussing it on the third Sunday of Easter, last week, we talked about, we heard about how Jesus appeared to the disciples who were inside a locked room, how a week later he appeared to them again because Thomas was there as well. But those things hadn't happened yet. This was still before then. So even though we're taking it a little bit out of order, let's follow along. They hadn't missed some announcement they hadn't uh, not gotten the message from the other disciples about what had happened. But they had missed something, hadn't they? They had missed recognizing Jesus in the Scriptures. They had missed understanding all the things that He had come to do and all the things that He had come to go through. And so Jesus responded. Jesus reacted. He said, how foolish you are. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and to enter his glory? They should have understood. They should have understood that the ministry of the Messiah would have been a roller coaster ride with its ups and its downs. They should have known that he would be hurt 
that he would be injured, that he would even be killed. They should have known that he would rise from the dead again. They should have known all of these things because these are the things that the Scriptures said about the Messiah. And Jesus, who knew the Scriptures, had reminded them of these things too. He had told them clearly what they could expect. Not just his death, but also his resurrection. But they didn't recognize Jesus in the Scripture until this point. They had no excuse. But Jesus calmly, lovingly, carefully walked them through the Scriptures so that they could recognize him there. He started at the beginning. He started with Moses and the other prophets. He may very well have started with Genesis. He may very well have talked to them about Adam and Eve and their falling into sin. And he might have talked at that point about the first promise of a Savior. Do you remember that promise? The promise of one who would crush the head of the tempting serpent. And, as God said it, the serpent would also crush his heel. From the very first prophecy, the very first time that God made the promise of the Messiah, he said that this Messiah would suffer, that it wouldn't all be glory, that it wouldn't all be wonderful, it wouldn't all be grand But it took Jesus explaining all of this for the disciples to recognize it. And yet there was an aspect missing. They had come to understand the role of the Messiah, what he had come to accomplish, how he had come to be the Savior of the world. They understood all of that. It makes me wonder... I would love to know all the passages that Jesus used as he was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We'd love to take notes about the sermon, if you will, that Jesus preached that day. I suspect, though, that God doesn't tell us for a very good reason. I think he doesn't tell us because he wants us to look through all of those passages to realize that all of Scripture, all of what we call the Old Testament even, all of it talks about Jesus. And it promises this sort of a Messiah, a Messiah that would suffer, a Messiah that would die, someone who would go through all of that pain and all of that suffering before entering into the glory that He had earned and won and deserved. Every bit of Scripture talks about that. How did the disciples miss it? Maybe they were too caught up in the politics. Maybe their expectations were, we want somebody who's going to save us from the Romans. Maybe they were looking forward to a, an earthly kingdom of Israel, God's people, the Jewish people. But whatever the case, when Jesus explained Scripture, when they recognized who the true Messiah was, they understood that He's the Savior of the world. He saves people from their sins. The one who did that 
would suffer and die before rising again in glory. So still we had this aspect left to fulfill. This is when the big reveal came. Jesus was invited into the house. He sat down to have a meal And Jesus himself began to play the host. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it so that it could be distributed among them. And at that moment, they recognized him in person, alive. Of course he was not dead. Of course he was not in the tomb. Of course he was not hidden away somewhere else. There he was right in front of them. He was not a failure. He was not a disappointment. He was alive. He lives to restore hope. He was alive in front of them to guarantee, to guarantee that they had everything they needed. They had the forgiveness of sins. They had hope for that moment, and they had hope for forever. And recognizing Jesus gives us hope. Do you ever feel like those disciples did as they were traveling on the way to Emmaus? Do you feel like sometimes your life is a a roller coaster? Where, yeah, there are high times, good times, enjoyable times, but there are also those low times. And what if Jesus were to walk up to you without you recognizing him? During one of those lowest times, during the worst time in your life, and he said, what are you talking about? What are you thinking about? What would you have to tell him? Well, I'm thinking about a loved one because I'm worried because when I call this person on the phone, they don't recognize me. I'm thinking about someone whom I loved very much, but that person has been taken out of my life. I don't expect to see them anymore. thinking about how I thought everything was going pretty well. I had a a nice chunk of change saved up in the bank, but I just had to fix my car. And wouldn't you know that wiped out half of my savings account in one fell swoop. Thinking about the fact that I thought I had my whole career path lined out, ready to follow, and now I'm failing my class at the university. I'm thinking about how much I feel like an absolute and complete failure. See, when we look at ourselves and we think about our plans, and we think about our work and our efforts and our goals, we don't recognize Jesus. 
what we do recognize is that we have fallen far short. Far short of anybody's good expectations for us. We haven't done the things that we wanted to do. We haven't accomplished the things that we would want to accomplish. We haven't treated others like we want them to treat us. We haven't been the people whom God wanted us to be. So here's where we go to recognize Jesus. We go to His Word. And His Word tells us the same thing. It says, you're absolutely right. You have failed. You have not lived up to God's expectations. You can't possibly do anything to save yourself. You can't possibly do anything to help yourself. That is completely clear. You need help. You need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. He died for you. He died for your sins. And now He is alive again. Those disciples on the road to Emmaus, they recognized Jesus, we could say, maybe in in two ways. They recognized Him from the Scriptures and they recognized Him from His personal appearance. Seeing the living Jesus in front of them. Here we are almost 2,000 years later. I don't expect to see Jesus in front of me. I don't expect necessarily to be able to go through those same two approaches that the disciples on the road to Emmaus did. But in a way we can. In a way we can do both through the pages of Scripture. Because we can walk through Scripture and we can see all of God's promises and we can recognize how Jesus fulfilled every single one of them and we can benefit from the eyewitness testimony of those people who did see Him. Who maybe did shake His hand or speak with Him on the road or like Thomas did, had their fingers put Onto his wounds so that he could proclaim, My Lord and my God. And when we recognize Jesus as Scripture describes him and as the living one for us, well, then we have hope. Then we have the sort of hope that puts everything in perspective, that tells us all these things that we so easily focus on. The challenges, the suffering, the relationships that we have, the money that we're trying to make, all of these things, these earthly things that may very well serve a good purpose are nothing in comparison to what He has won, what He has accomplished for us in heaven. The glory that He gives to us. See, now our lives are patterned after Jesus' life. We suffer first. We deal with all these down times before entering into the glory that He has earned and won and that He has given to us. 
we shouldn't be surprised that our lives are a roller coaster ride. We can be thankful for all those high times that seem so enjoyable and so wonderful, but you know what? We deserve the lows, and we deserve even worse than that. But we have Jesus. Just like the Emmaus disciples, Jesus could say to us, how foolish, how foolish you are, how slow of heart you are to believe. And that's why he comes to us in his word. He comes to us in the sacrament. And he allows us to recognize him. To recognize him as our Savior, as our Messiah, as the one who lives after he died to accomplish our salvation that we will to live with him forever. That's the hope that we depend on. That's the hope that recognizing Jesus gives to us. Amen.